Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz, and from now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays. And same-game parlays, all on one page. Plus, Start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present. In select states, gambling problem, call 100Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. I'm all good on my first ever Twitter spaces. Let's roll, baby. We're having some fun with this. This is something that I've been dying to do for a while now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I've never done it. We're going to have some fun with it. You're going to have to deal with me going through all the growing pains of trying to figure this stuff out. But I guarantee you, within the next couple of days, I'll have it figured out every which way. Listen, I'm stoked about the New York Knickerbockers. That's why we're doing this here on a Wednesday. Uh, if you guys want to join, uh, I'll figure out how to do it. I mean, over the next couple of days, I'll figure out what's what, and, and I'll be able to punch people up, and we'll kind of take it from there. But my goodness, how about what the New York Knickerbockers and Jalen Brunson are doing? First of all, the New York Knickerbockers have won 9 out of 10. The New York Knickerbockers have now won 7 straight. The New York Knickerbockers are closing ground, gaining ground, taking names, kicking ass every which way with what they've been able to do over the last couple of weeks. You want to talk about a city that all of a sudden now it feels like they have Knicks fever? There is a sense of Knicks fever across the board. Monday night's win against the Boston Celtics was eye-opening. And to me, it was even more eye-opening because of the fact that, let's be real, Jalen Brunson wasn't very great. Julius Randle was not at his very best. And the Knicks go and win that game, and they win it convincingly against the best team in the NBA. Tonight, though, was extra sweet. And you want to know why tonight was extra sweet? A lot of Knicks fans over the last couple of years had to hear from the Brooklyn Nets fan left and right. KD and Kyrie Irving. All of the chirping. 
City under new management. Knicks can't beat the Nets. On and on and on we go. Now Durant's playing in Phoenix. Kyrie's dealing with the mess that he's got to deal with in Dallas. And the Knicks have now given it to the Nets back-to-back games. And this game was over, let's be honest, from the absolute get-go. Jalen Brunson had as good a first half as you could possibly have. He goes for 30. The Knicks basically hit every three-pointer in sight. Jalen Brunson did whatever the hell he wanted to do on the floor. And I keep saying this, Jalen Brunson is so much better than I thought he was. I always knew he was a good player. I always knew he was a winning player. This dude is so much better than I thought. He's efficient. He makes his teammates better. He is a winner. And I want to throw this out there because a lot has been made of Donovan Mitchell and what could have been and the struggles of R.J. Barrett. And yeah, I mean, in hindsight, sure. You would rather have Donovan Mitchell on your team than R.J. Barrett. Do I think, honestly, Jalen Brunson would be having the year that he is having if Donovan Mitchell is here? I don't. Like, I think it was one of those things for Brunson. He had to go and be the guy. He now has gone and become the guy. He's he's the lead dog. You know, I was texting with my buddy, Justin Termini, who is one of the all-time greats, does Sirius XM NBA Radio. And, you know, he mentioned to me a debate that he had with one of his co-hosts today, the great Eddie Johnson, discussing who's the best player on the Knicks. It's not even close. And this is not trying to disparage Julius Randle in any way. Jalen Brunson is the best player on the team. The Knicks go as he goes. Simple as that. He's made Randall a better player. He's made the guys on the bench a better player, uh, better players across the board. I mean, my goodness. He is oozing it factor. He's oozing winner. You're now daring to dream a little bit from a Knicks perspective. The Cavaliers lose to the Boston Celtics. You look at the standings now. The Knicks are a game and a half back at Cleveland. The Knicks now have eclipsed their win total from what it was last year. Think about that for a minute. The Knicks won 37 games a season ago. They have won 37 games, and it's March the 1st. And there is a lot more basketball that will be played in the weeks ahead. The Knicks will 1,000% be one of those top six seeds. I'm not even worried and concerned about this West Coast trip. Listen, they got everything cooking right now. From Quickly, who's playing great. Josh Hart, who's been an unbelievable pickup. The crowd loves him. He's instant energy. 3 and D. Gets after it. He's an irritant. He's a wonderful, wonderful role player. Give Leon Rose in this front office a lot of credit for going and bringing in a guy like Josh Hart. What the Knicks got to figure out now is how do they get R.J. Barrett going? Because I've said it multiple times. Their best lineup is featuring Hart and Quickly and not R.J. Barrett. But Barrett has time to change that narrative between now and the end of this year. I'm enjoying this Nick run. Now, I know it's the middle of winter. I know we're dying for baseball in the NCAA tournament, but you got a basketball season in this town. And you had a nice win from the Rangers tonight. You're patiently awaiting the Patrick Kane debut, which we'll have tomorrow. We're going to have 
Johnny Lazarus, when we post this as a pod, he's going to join us, give us all sorts of Rangers perspective. So I'm looking forward to that. But next 10 games over 500. Jalen Brunson. How was Jalen Brunson not an all-star? Somebody want to explain that to me? What an absolute travesty. How in the world was Jalen Brunson not an all-star? What an absolute joke. But give me Cleveland. Get me the first round of the playoffs. I don't even care if the Knicks have home court advantage. It'd be great. But you know what? They had it two years ago against Atlanta. And that didn't go particularly well. Maybe the Knicks better off going and being the five seed. And I make a trip to Cleveland. The Knicks split. And then maybe take care of business at Madison Square Garden. I'm fired up. Go win a playoff series. Which is something the Knicks have not done in over a decade. All right. You guys got to bear with me here with the Twitter spaces. We're going to be doing our shows, our live shows on here. We had a great run on Spotify Live. But, I, you know, we have a huge Twitter following. We really do. So if you're new to this and you haven't been listening to our Spotify Lives, which we post as podcasts all the time on the New York, New York feed, Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. You guys have been wonderful. I hope you guys all do your thing and join the show here. It's going to take me some time to figure it out, but I promise you, I'm a quick one. I promise. All right, this guy's the king of the Twitter spaces. So I feel like I got to start it off with the great Kenny in Staten Island. Kenny, hello, buddy. How we doing? AJ, great to see you on Spaces. As you know, you've always joined mine. I appreciate that. Well, Kenny, my pleasure. Hopefully, well, hopefully I nail it and I knock it out of the park. This is the first time I'm ever using this as the host here, so it puts a little pressure on me, you know? Yeah, no problem. This is it's easy. Hey, listen, Kenny, if you guys can do it, anybody can do it. You know what I mean? That gives me inspiration. <laughs> but listen, with, with the Knicks, man, they're relevant again, man. I... You know, I don't remember the last time I actually sat down and watched a Nick game from A to Z for the last few weeks. This I'm going to enjoy this run. You know, this is the best Knicks team going back to the to the early 2000s. Well, I'm, I see. I'm not going to say they're better than 2012, 2013. You know, I saw that earlier today on Twitter. I disagree with it because that Nick team won 54 games. That Nick team was pretty dominant throughout the year. However, Kenny, let's be real about this. This team is so much better than they were two years ago. I mean, two years ago, you saw an Alfred Payton. Reggie Bullock was a big player. You, you could have made the argument that Derrick Rose, who was, you know, on the back nine of his NBA career, was basically the best player on that Nick team when they're playing a playoff series. This team feels more sustainable. And the reason it's more sustainable is because of what you've gotten from Brunson and what you've gotten from the role players on this team quickly has been much better. Robinson coming back has anchored this defense. And Kenny, we give guys a lot of shit in New York, like Randall, who acted like a total clown last year, was terrible last season. Uh, you would have taken 10 cents on the dollar to get rid of him. The way he has revitalized his Nick tenure, the way he has played this year, he's got to get a lot of credit as well. Oh, no, he, he, he's he been lights out. And the thing is, this team is getting better by each game. They are just excelling. Tonight was just was just a total wrecking ball. They came out the first six minutes of the game, and the game was over. They made a statement tonight. They're like, listen, we're putting the Nets in the rearview mirror. Everybody thought that the Nets were the uh, the top dog in New York. They could never steal the spotlight from the Knicks. This was just a total domination. The Knicks are back. And listen, this team could, this team could win in, uh, plus 50-something games, obviously. Isn't it crazy? I mean, Kenny, right now they're 10 over 500. The idea of the Knicks going and getting into the high 40s or the low 50s. Appreciate it as always, my man. Uh, it's very possible. It's very, very possible. Just think about that for a minute. The Knicks have a legitimate chance to win in the high 40s, low 50s this year. Go win a playoff series. 
get there and go win one. This is great. I mean, listen, I didn't know we were going to get this sort of Nick year. And let's be real. In December, a majority of the fan base, they could say whatever the hell they want to say. They wanted Thibodeau out of here. He doesn't play the young players. Oh, what is he doing? Ba, 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 ba. Anybody questioning the coaching of Tom Thibodeau? The Tom Thibodeau hater can go stick it with a sun don't shine. Because here's what I know. His first year, he took a decrepit team to the playoffs. He took a step back last year. And this year, they were on their way to the playoffs again. They don't have a loaded roster. They don't have a great roster. Thibodeau can coach. Can we acknowledge that? Tom Thibodeau can coach. The great Hector in Washington Heights joins us. Hector, hello. Brother, welcome, welcome. This was a welcome sight for me when I saw JJ has a space. I said, what? This is what I've been, this is what I need. Well, Hector, listen, for a lot of you folks who follow me on Twitter, get used to this now. I know Spotify Live was our live platform. We are going to do these now moving forward here on Twitter Spaces. So it's going to require a, a little teaching from your boy. He's got to figure out what he's doing. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm getting my feet wet a little bit, but Hector, I love the support. I love the passion. I know you're fired up, bro. So what's shaking, dude? What do you got for me? You're a natural. I'm not worried about you knowing how to work this. You seem like you're doing a pretty good job of it already. So <laughs> don't worry about that, man. This is what you do. And I'm here for you. know I'm with you everywhere you go, brother. I got you, my man, Sal. You, you my guys, man. I'm going to see Lakata. He's probably staring me in the face right now. He's out in the SOI newsroom. I'm, uh, I'm keeping quiet, though, Hector. I'm too loud. So I can't be out there doing a show while they're all out there. You know, bullshitting and whatnot. I can't be having that. You guys are both loud, so uh, I don't think that'll... Very true. Very true. Good point. How about these things, though, baby? How about these things, though? Man, this, this, is, this is like the best seasons, right? I mean, I'm a lunatic, so before the season, I'm telling my friends, man, 45 wins. But I'm like, ah, you know, I'm just throwing a number out there. Man, it looks like we could get to that number and surpass that. And the way that this team has done it, right? In the beginning of the season, it was a little frustrating and you questioned Thibodeau, you questioned some of the guys and the growth and what's going on. But you see, little by little, they, they keep growing and you touched on it, Brunson, man, and I'm with you. I doubted this guy. I wasn't too sure. You know, sometimes you see guys go off in the little playoff run or whatever and you wonder. And then he came over and, you know, I'm a little old school, so I wasn't happy with the, his style of point guard, right? But, man, was I wrong. This guy was the best thing the Knicks could have done in this offseason, he's been everything you said. He's helped Randall. I mean, Randall, of course, did his own going, did his own looking in the mirror, and he's been dynamite all year. And even lately, what well, he hasn't dominated so much in, in, on the scoring, he's doing other things. Today, with the assist, he's been a monster rebounding, even if he slowed down now that Mitch is back. Um, but man, this team, this team is so fun to watch. New York is is fun right now with the sports, but right now with the Knicks, man, what can what else can you say? I I can't wait till this team gets in the playoffs, and I expect them to make some noise, JJ. I really do. I expect this team to make. Yeah, Hector, that to me is the difference between this Knicks team and the team from two years ago. I think we all got ahead of ourselves with the team two years ago because they had a top four record. It was a weird fagazi COVID year, so you know it was hard to figure out who was who. This team has a legitimate identity. They have a guy you trust at the end of these games in Brunson. You have Randall back to an all-star level. Robinson anchoring the defense. Young, energetic guys like Quickly and Hart coming off the bench. There's a lot to like here. Listen, 
this is not a championship team. This is not a team that can win the whole thing. But all you need to know, my boss, who is right now probably sipping a Mai Tai in his mansion somewhere in Malibu, thinking about his Boston Celtics, he even admitted to me the other day, I'm scared of the Knicks. The Knicks can make noise in the playoffs this year. They'll be live in the first round. And I think at the very least, Hector, they can go and compete in a second-round series. And if we're talking about the Knicks going and winning a playoff series, Hector, this is a monumental step in the right direction for this franchise. There's no doubt. Absolutely. And because they're doing it with, with, with young guys now, right? And it, it isn't with the, you know, I, I don't even remember who was on that team, but, you know, a couple of older guys, the Alpha Payans and all of this nonsense. It's with young guys that are growing. And then this Josh Hart kid, man, oh, my goodness. Like, you know, he, his first game, he, he scored a lot of points. I'm like, oh, he's not going to do that every night. It doesn't matter. You know what I know about Josh Hart? He's going to give us a 150% effort every night. And whatever it is that we need that night, he's going to provide it. Whether it be defense. He's a winner. That's what, that's what You nailed it, Hector. Good call as always, baby. He's a winner. He's a flat-out winner. Good call. He's going to do the little things. He's going to get down and dirty. He's getting in Jason Tatum's ear after he gets thrown out of the game. I mean, how do you not love that from a Knicks perspective? How do you not love that? Uh, let's head to our main man, Bradley, who joins us. Bradley, the floor is yours, amigo. How we doing? JJ, this is some, This is a little bit different, man. We're going to have to get used to this, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you and me both, bro. Listen, you and me both. We have to be the masters of our domain, if you will, Bradley. But when there's a will, there's a way. We find it out. Yes, sir. Hey, I'll tell you what, man, man, the next two and a half months combined with the Knicks and the Rangers, it, MSG is going to be really buzzing, man. It's going to be so much fun to watch. And this Knicks team right now, I mean, I remember when they the night when they made the trade for Josh Hart. I mean, I remember seeing that video. I don't know if you saw it, but Jalen Brunson's reaction when he got his old uh, Villanova teammate back on this. Oh, it was giddy. Downright giddy, Bradley. Downright giddy. Yep, and that just since then this team has not missed a beat. They have been playing fundamentally good basketball, and let me tell you another X factor too, JJ. Since Mitchell Robinson came back, the whole dynamic of their defense and the way they scheme has completely changed. Mitchell Robinson is such an X factor for this team going forward. I think that's an excellent, excellent point, Bradley. Their defense looks drastically different when Big Mitch is in the middle and he's doing his thing and he's getting in the paint, and he's disrupting on defense, and, you know, he's cleaning some things up offensively. We know he doesn't have an all-world offensive game, but, you know, he can chip in. He gave you 13 points tonight. He gives you 10 boards. You know what he provides defensively. I, I couldn't agree more. Robinson's return has, without a doubt, sparked this team. I also think the Hort acquisition kind of jump-started them. That was a brilliant move. They needed a role player. He's a 3 and D guy. He's an agitator. He defends. I mean, look at his plus minus tonight. Now, listen, everybody's plus minus tonight is going to be great when you score 142 freaking points, for goodness sakes. But Josh Hart, when he plays, the Knicks win. The Knicks have not lost the game, Bradley, when Josh Hart has been a member of the team. Let that sink in for a minute. Yeah, I mean, totally got to let that sink in. Hey, hey, anytime you drop 142 points against a, a, a Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving-less Nets team, I mean, you can do it every time for me, man. Tonight was just thoroughly enjoyable to watch. Fabulous night, Bradley. And listen, I think we got a lot more of these coming up, and it's perfect because the Knicks and now the the hype is getting there with the Rangers as you await Patrick Kane and his debut tomorrow night. Very curious to see what he's going to look like. 
Bradley, I'm of the expectation we're going to have very fun uh, April and May uh, around the five boroughs, around New York City with baseball humming, with the Knicks and the Rangers going. You got to love it, dude. Got to love it. Tell you what. And you know what? I'm JJ, first, my first time this year, it took, a, it took me 30 years to celebrate my 30th birthday a couple weeks ago, going to my first Yankees home opener on March 30th. I cannot wait. It's going to be fun. You know, Bradley, you are actually going to be there, my man. And I'm not going to be. Appreciate the call. Because I will be at my way too early bachelor party in Las Vegas, Nevada, at the sportsbook, drinking a nice cold beverage, which I am very much looking forward to. Oh, that's going to be one hell of a trip. I mean, I'm gonna, they're going to be carrying me out of a body bag in McCarran Airport. Harry Reid, whatever the hell they call that airport these days. That Tuesday after the national championship. But that will be, we will have a Twitter spaces right after the Met opener because Yankees play at one, Mets play at four. We'll react to both and take it from there. All right. I'm going to go with E. I see Starship Troopers. E, I'm going to go with that. Uh, you're on. Welcome. How are we doing? What's happening, brother? Hey, can you hear me, JJ? I got you, E. How are you, pal? So I just, my main point I want to make tonight is just, is there a better uh, pairing of personalities than Tibbs and Brunson? Because like when I watch these games, Brunson is like miserable the whole game, no matter what they're doing. You can see him even when they're up big. He's getting mad at himself and he makes little mistakes. I don't know if you saw the video tonight of when he went to dap up Tibbs and Tibbs was a little reluctant at first. And then he finally gave it to him. And I'm just, it's so nice to have a leader that you can tell is just grinding it out every single game. All he cares about is winning. And I just think there's a real appreciation from Tibbs to have Brunson leading the group. And I think it's a big part of Randall coming back here. Because I like Randall, I really do. But I don't think he's like a team kind of leader guy. And now that he can just kind of exist and let Brunson really be the commander, um, he's really feeling himself. And I just I just find it hilarious that Brunson like never looks happy, no matter what he's doing. But I really appreciate it as a Knicks fan. And I think it's a great pairing. And I hope it obviously continues um, for a good run here. I think that's an excellent, excellent point. They are made for one another. He appreciate the call. Brunson was born to be a Nick. And I know a lot was made of, oh, you know, his dad is going to be an assistant. His dad played for the 90s team. He was like the 10th and the 11th man. Tampering, blah, blah, blah. Jalen Brunson was born to be a Nick. And he loves it. You know, you don't got to be Luka Doncic caddy anymore in Dallas. It's his team. It's his show. And yes, that relationship between he and Tibbs is really outstanding. Uh, let's head to Will, who's up next. He joins us. Will, what's up, baby? How we doing? It's Dude. time to give Leon Rose a little credit. Yeah, you know what? That's a fair point. That's a fair point. I've given him a lot of shit. A lot of people have given him a lot of shit. The Brunson signing, there's no getting around it. It's going to go down as an all-time great signing. Now, I know it's one year. and I know people are going to be like, JJ, you insane? Are you crazy? You can just tell Jalen Brunson is perfect for this organization. It was an absolute slam dunk of a move. And, and they're on their way, slowly but surely. Playoffs, it looks like, to it in the last three years. Starting to establish that culture. How they take that next step is going to be interesting, Will. But yeah, that's fair. For somebody who's given him a lot of grief and a lot of, you know, criticism, uh, I got to give credit where credit is due. Totally fair. And he didn't make the panic move with Mitchell. They didn't overpay. The, the asking price that they asked the, the Knicks was outrageous. He stuck to his guns. He said, I'm not not doing it. You know, and he gets Brunson. It's a great move. 
And then you got to look at the culture change. Two playoffs, two of the last three years. Hopefully this year things go keep going smoothly. And then you got a guy like Derrick Rose who could ask for a buyout, but he's not playing at all. He doesn't care. He wants to be a Nick and wants to stay here because of what they're doing and what's going on within the team. That is such a great, great point. Where in other, where in other years, well, let's be honest, guys are like rats jumping off the ship. They can't wait to get out of here. Very curious to see what the next progression is. But, you know, for the meantime, I'm going to enjoy this year. The Knicks are fun to watch. They're going to be in the playoffs. I think they're going to have a chance to really compete in the playoffs. And that's a good thing. It's a real good thing. Let's head to Joe, who joins us. Joe, welcome in. Uh, good evening, sir. How we doing? JJ, how you doing? Joe, I'm doing great. What's happening, baby? What is the true ceiling for this team? Do you think they can really get to an East Finals or no? Uh, gut feel, no. I, I got to be honest, no. I, I think the second round is probably the ceiling for this team. I, I, I Let's be real. Joe, let's be real about this. If they match up with Cleveland in the first round, you know I like the odds. You know I like Las Vegas and, and all the stuff that comes with it. The series price for Knicks Cavaliers, what do we think Cleveland's? Minus 140, 150? You can't lose. You cannot lose to Cleveland, though, especially after what happened with Mitchell last summer. You have to beat them. Well, listen, I mean, I wouldn't want to lose the series, but they're not the more talented team. I think the Knicks are live in the series. I think the Knicks guard play could be problematic. I also think Cleveland, would, what Evan Mobley provides, would be the ultimate X factor. Because is he a guy that's going to just lock you down defensively and frustrate the hell out of Randall and change the entire feel of the series? Listen, Joe, we'll have eight weeks to maybe break down what a Nick Cavs series could look like. They could legitimately beat the Cavs, though. They could. I'm with you on that. They could beat Cleveland. They are not. I know they've beaten Boston now two of the last three. I'd be stunned if they beat the Celtics in a playoff series. I have to be honest. Stunned. I agree, but none of these teams really scare me, to be honest. It's, it's not like the West with these other teams. They're not slam dunk like in other years. I mean, they can make a run. Who knows? Well, listen, it starts with winning one playoff series. It, it first starts, Joe, with the idea of, okay, we got to find a way to be in that top six. Appreciate the call as always. Let's be in that top six, and we can take it from there. You're in the 4-5, your chances go up dramatically as far as trying to win a series. And that's exciting. No other way around it. Super exciting. Uh, let's head to the great Charlie in Elmhurst. Charlie, the floor is yours. Hey, JJ. Uh, what's going on? Charlie, what's up, Poppy? How are you? Uh, is this FCC airway uh, control? Uh, not to my knowledge. I, I mean, I think I already committed an FCC fine and regulation if that were the case. Let me let me say this before uh, I talk about the, the Knicks. Uh, Darius fucking Garland. I mean, that stupid three cost me minus five and a half for Boston Celtics. What a bad Wow. You know, I, I got to be honest, Charlie. I did not see. I have college basketball on in the SNY studio. So I had no idea how that game ended. That's how you ended up losing that bet. Oh, that's cruel. That's very cruel. Celtics sloppy at the end, then that three just like oh pissed me off. And can 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 can, can I was rooting for a foul, then they just run off the clock. That was that was just uh, cruel, cruel. Ugh. I, I feel your pain. Listen, uh, this is actually a good winning night for me. I had Notre Dame and Mike Bray's last game. That was a win. Uh, I ended up taking uh, what was the other game I had? Xavier against Providence. That was a win, and I loved 
Dude, I love the Knicks tonight laying the eight against the Nets. I thought that line told you all you needed to know in the game. Love the Knicks tonight. And I was one ba- Randall Basket away from fitting the SGP, so a couple of bad beats. So, but anyway, but the on, on the Knicks, like remember, like when the Knicks gave up uh, 150 in regulation to OKC. We talked about going to that West Coast trip. Tibbs, I mean, if they're gonna like go one and four, Tibbs is gone, and they seem they right the ship, uh, steady themselves, and then like they got Josh Hart. And now they're like, they have the identity in terms of like roster construction. Like we know Randall, what he's, he's been doing. He, he's good. Uh, compared to I mean, Brunson made him better. And I just love the Knicks, uh, roster con- better, uh, compared to two years ago because that was almost like a patchwork made. Now they have an identity and they have the concept. And I think they have the, the chemistry to g- get, get something, uh, humming this April and May. So that's exciting. Yeah, Charlie, you're 100% right about that. The Knicks have an identity. They know what they are. This is Brunson and Randall's team. This is a team that has defined roles within the role players. And listen, I think Tibbs deserves a lot of credit here. He shortened that rotation. He weathered the storm. And this team, since the middle of December, record-wise, one of the best teams in the NBA. There's no getting around that. One of the best teams in the NBA. All right, we'll take two more, and then I got to get ready to do TV. This has already been an enormous success. Uh, let's head to Joey, who joins us. What's up, Joey? How we doing, babe? JJ, how you doing? Joey, I'm doing well. Uh, no complaints here. Life is good. What's happening? In the new platform, had to had to dig a little bit, but found it. But uh, but uh, hey, it works all the same, right? Hey, listen, that that's the idea. I'm talking to you. We're having some fun. We post as a podcast later, and away we go. Yes, sir. A uh, what a great time for the Knicks to go on a run too. After you know you kind of mourning uh, when football's over, but uh, been able to cash in some ticks with them. Really like the run. Kind of wish Randall didn't do the hero ball at the end of the game. A lot of times Brunson needs that ball all the time at the end to, to close those games out. Uh, just a just a great run for them. But honestly, I want to I want to get your take on something. What are we going to call this era when we when we look back at it? from a scoring standpoint, is it going to be like the no defense error? Is it going to be like the juice ball error in baseball? It's kind of crazy right now. It's a great point, Joey. Defense is cruelly optional in the NBA. Um, what has happened with the Steph Curry three-point revolution has completely changed the game. You look at a good defensive performance now, it's you hold somebody under 100 points, you did a remarkable job. That's just the direction the league is going. But, yeah, you want Brunson with the ball in his hands at the end of the games. All right, real quick, and I got to do makeup and get ready for TV. The great Jeff Money. Money. What's up, baby? What's up, JJ? Money, good hearing your voice. What's up, pal? Well, I love it. I didn't even know about this until you mentioned it today, actually. Well, there you go. Listen, you found it, and it's nice and easy. It's on my Twitter page, and away you go, guys. Take it from there. So the Knicks, they played fabulously. I didn't take them. Now, you saw you saying you had a couple of winners today yourself, right? I did. I wish I tweeted him out. That's that. That's the way it goes, Jeff Money. You don't tweet him out, you go three and out. You know, naturally. Naturally. You look over anything for tomorrow. Or no? I haven't gone there yet, to be honest. You know, I'm still basking in the glory of the Knicks whooping the Nets' ass, so I have not looked at tomorrow. What uh, what catches your eye? Well, I like two college basketball games. Hopefully I get back on a winning streak with the uh, this week with the college basketball. I like Illinois minus the three and a half over Michigan is one game I like. And I also like USC plus the one over Arizona. 
Oh, USC is only a one-point dog against Arizona? Oh, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm right, Jeff Money. That's my play tonight. I'm on it. We are rolling with the USC Trojans. That is a sucker bet if I've ever seen one, my man. Family play right there with the Trojans plus the point and a half. There we go. I like the sound of that, Jeff Money. Good stuff as always. Good luck to you. Guys, this is a ton of fun. I'm on Sports Night at 11. This will be posted as a pod. Johnny Lazarus doing some Rangers with us. Coach Steve Peichel. Rutgers, big win on Sunday. Air game Thursday. He's going to join us. And how good were you guys? Absolutely fantastic. Enjoyed it. Sports Night at 11. All that good stuff. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Oh, hold up. Smell test. Go ahead. Sniff those pits. Now, your bits. Feet. Toes. Come on. Could be fresher, right? It's all good. Old Spice Total Body Deodorant Spray is gentle enough to use all over your body, giving you 24-7 lasting freshness with daily use, from pits to toes and down below. So every smell test gets a... (sighs) Shop for Old Spice Total Body Deodorant. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, you know we're getting closer to March when we're welcoming in one of my favorites. He's done a fantastic job at Rutgers. They had a monstrous win Sunday against Penn State. Coach Steve Peichel. Bud, long time no speak. Good to see you once again. What's you happening? Know, it's it's uh, it's that time of the year, but it's it's great to be back on and uh, appreciate you very much having me. And uh, it's the grind of February. That's what I call it as we head into March. Well, Coach, that game on Sunday, it felt like March. There was a lot of intensity between those two teams. You guys turn it up to another level defensively. I mean, you're basically holding Penn State without a field goal for eight, eight and a half minutes. You've had a year in which you've beat some really good teams. You've had some struggles because of the nature of the league. It's a terrific Big Ten. Did that one on Sunday, because of the ramifications for Penn State, because that game's on the road, did it feel a little bigger than just one conference win? It sure felt that way to me. Well, I tell you, anytime, like, the road is so hard in our league anyways, and we have... We're playing now a stretch six games uh, on the road out of eight. So uh, when we head to Minnesota for the next game, so it's been an unbelievable. I've never had a stretch like this where we have been away from home for this long. But, you know, we've dealt with some injuries here late and, you know, the league is so good. And we're adding UCLA and USC next year, too. So I'm saying, oh, my God, like, how about can a, can a really good league get any better, like uh, from top to bottom? So. It's obstacles all over the place. Penn State's very good. They were crushing teams at home. Um, they have a kid, Pickett, who, you know, 
if, if Edie wasn't in our league, he'd probably be the, uh, you know, player of the year in our conference and what have you. But uh, great environment there. Our guys just kind of stayed the course. We didn't make shots in the first half. We shot 50%. We made shots in the second half. But our defense was great throughout the game. Well, Coach, that's the thing with your team. You guys bring it defensively. It feels like game after game. And, you know, now as I'm getting my college basketball research on, I'm like drooling all these Kempom stats. And, you know, I'm trying to hone up on my craft. So I'm ready to go come March <laughs> in the conference tournaments. And for you guys, I, I feel like it's a matter of making shots. I know what I'm getting from you guys defensively. Is it fair to say, Coach, you guys having success the next few weeks in the Big Ten tournament? In the NCAA tournament, it's going to come down to how efficient you guys can be on offense? Yeah, I mean, it really is. Um, we got like a unique team. I love this. This is one of my favorite groups. They work every day. They're really connected. Um, you know, we have a different leading scorer like every night, too. So we got all the tools. Andre Hyatt one night, you know, Cliff on another night, you know, Paul Mulcahy, you know, Cam Spencer. The other night it was Derek Simpson. You know, we try to ride the hot guy kind of, but uh, we haven't played our best game yet either. So I'm excited about that. I keep telling our guys we're going to put it together, you know, on both ends of the floor. But, you know, our defense, you know, has been great for us all year long. And we lost uh, arguably our top defender, our second best defender in Mawat Mag. So uh, to do what we've been doing is just a sign that everyone stepped up and was ready. And I don't care how we win games. People want it to be pretty. I'm not one of those guys. As long as we, you know, up one on the win column there up one at the end of the game when the final horn goes off I don't care what it looks like amen to that coach a win is a win that's all there is to it there are certain guys that kind of symbolize the college basketball program I feel like Mulcahy is one of those guys man like he is just what it's all about in college basketball I love the guy that stays I love the guy that's all in when it comes to what they bring to a particular program you know the guys you know who you identify with a certain program over the years like you know, I'm a big Chiefs guy. I go back to Jerry McNamara. Like, he was he was Syracuse through and through. And yeah. you see the guy year after year after year get better. Like, Mulcahy, ultimate glue guy, right? Like, he's a, he's just one of those guys that you need if you're going to have winning DNA and a winning culture within a program. You know, since, since he stepped foot on campus, we've done nothing but win, you know. And we didn't have a lot of winning before he got here. So, he's he's done so many things for us. And he, he truly is one of those guys. If it takes him rebounding that night or making assist or playing defense, he, you know, whatever it takes, um, he's Bayonne tough and he's played, he plays through injuries. Uh, he plays uh, with a chip on his shoulder. Um, couldn't be more proud. And he's in graduate school too. He started a Grateful Four Foundation. I mean, he's everything that's right about college athletics and, uh, you know, just glad he's on my team. I can understand that. You mentioned Bayonne tough. That's like a hallmark, Coach, of your teams. I mean, uh, watching your teams for years, are those the sort of guys, when you're going through the recruiting process, you want as a part of your program, those guys who are going to get after it? Like, that that style of play, I feel like it's symbolic of your teams over the last few years. I mean, I think it is. And, you know, I kind of recruit, you know, I recruit defense. So, um, you know, a lot of times people want to recruit the stars, whatever that means, the five stars, four stars, you know. No one ever rates them on the defensive end of the court. And I like guys that want to play defense. It's it's a great sign for a kid being unselfish and a kid being willing. It's 50% of the game. And, uh, 
you know, I try to recruit kids and, and, and Caleb McConnell's a perfect example of that. I mean, he's become, a, you know, he's in, in a running right now for national defensive player of the year. When he came to me out of high school, like I knew he could defend, he had quick hands and he, you know, but now his versatility and how he kind of attacks that end of the floor is really, you know, he's become one of the, you know, great defenders of all time. And he may go down as our greatest defender here. And so we recruit that end of the floor and, and, uh, it's important when you see those kind of traits in guys, but you don't get ranked for defense. So um, that's why some of our guys are a little under recruited, I think. But if people rate, rated defense, you know, we have a couple of four and five star guys. You mentioned McConnell. He's an absolute stud on defense. You mentioned it. He's got a chance maybe to be the best defensive Rutgers player ever. What is it about him, coach? Is it the athleticism? Is it the instinct? Is it the versatility to be able to guard you know, a couple of different positions. What, in your opinion, makes him such a terrific defender? Because he is. I feel like if I'm an opposing team, I'm like, damn, my best player is getting locked down by this guy, and I got to deal with that. You know, JJ, the first thing is he uh, he wants his mentality. He wants to guard the best player. So, like, that's the first thing it starts with, like the mentality of of taking on the challenge of, of guarding the best player. The other day it was Pickett who had 41 points you know, in a previous game to us. And we were able, he was able to hold him to 11 points and zero points in the second half. Uh, but taking on that challenge and then his versatility, he can guard one, two, three, and four. And I even put him on a center for a few minutes here and there if I want to kind of change things up. So his versatility to guard all those positions and his willingness and his mentality to take on, you know, that challenge, you know, it's not a sexy role. You know, everyone wants to take the most shots. Everyone wants to get the most rebounds, the assists. But, you know, to take on that role, and I would say is like our leading scorer because when we cut the leading scorer in half, when they average 20 and he gets them 10, that's really 10 points that should be given to Caleb McConnell, you know. And then if that were the case, he'd be one of the leading scorers in the country. Something to that, Coach. And listen, I know you're going to be counting on him to stop a whole lot of guys over the next few weeks. And, uh, I'm on a retreat or on a ski weekend. I don't ski. So to me, all I did is sit, in, sit inside, watch college basketball over a couple of cocktails over a 10-hour period. And I'm watching Indiana and Purdue. And I'm like, you know, holy smokes. Rutgers beat both of these teams. You went to Purdue and won. You beat Indiana. They're right now the two best teams in your conference when you look at what they've done over the course of this year. What was it? about you guys in those particular matchups that allowed you to have success against two teams that I think are going to be pretty highly seated when it's all said and done? Well, I mean, I always think, you know, the first thing is, you know, we, we were very healthy in those two games. So we had all of our, our players. Um, I th always think that's important. Um, but they have two unique big guys, you know, really Zach Eady and Trace Jackson Davis are two of the most unique and talented, you know, big guys in the country. Um, we were able to game plan the right way. Um, our guys, you know, were ultimately connected. We had Moat Mag to another guy that could guard multiple positions, including Trace Jackson Davis. Um, you know, but you got to go into those games. We've had success at those places, you know, before, and they're both great basketball teams. And you hope that your experience and the older guys in your program understand, you know, the importance of going to those places, which are real tough venues to play. And, 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 uh, you know, giving your best shot at some really good basketball teams. But this this league will harden you to all the challenges. You know, Purdue's terrific, but Iowa's terrific. You know, Wisconsin's terrific. They have a 91% home winning percentage over the last, you know, 10 years. 
you know, Illinois poses many problems. I mean, this league really hardens you to getting ready to play in tough environments and, and playing really good, well-coached teams. There's no doubt about it. And you mentioned the idea of the Big Ten getting that much better once you add a UCLA and you add a USC. My goodness, Coach, no off days for you guys. And, and you know how this works, right? Like time to time in the NCAA tournament, there's no rhyme or reason to tournament success. Like I think about the old Big East. Like I remember there was a year they had 11 teams getting the NCAA tournament. They only had two in the Sweet 16. UConn ended up winning it that year. But you have situations like that. Then you have other situations where you might have five, six teams get to the second weekend. Mm. Is it just luck of the draw? Is it matchup based? Like, it, it, do you look at tournament success as a way to judge a league, or is that just ridiculously unfair? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's you know unfair because anything can happen. You know, in a game, we lost the game this year at Ohio State, and you know, you know, it was unfortunate. You know, there were some calls made down the stretch, and you know, it's it's really hard to. You know, in a one-game situation, I do know our league over the last three, four years have had the most teams get the most bids, and that tells you what kind of league we are. Um, you know, from top to bottom. But, but you know, they'll always hold something against you, something against your league. You know, um, I just know that when we go and play in this league, it's the most fan attended, it's the most competitive home courts everywhere. We sell out every game here. Michigan State sells out every game. Purdue sells out every game. Indiana sells out every game. You know, so when you're going into those environments, it's, you know, really, really difficult. And there's really good coaches and there's a lot of different styles. And so once you get to March, anything could happen over 40 minutes. You know, you only have a couple of days to prepare, um, you know, but I, I would expect our league some years you don't do as well. Other years you do pretty well. And you know, we can win the national championship from this league. There's good enough coaches and players. Um, and we have multiple teams. I remember Michigan, I think, finished fifth place a couple of years back with John Beeline and made it to the national championship from fifth place in a league. You know, so um, real competitive. And and uh, when you get that 40 minutes, you got to play really well. You got to stay out of foul trouble. You got to be healthy. You got to get a good whistle. You got to have a lot of things go, you know, go your way to keep advancing. He ain't kidding. And I even look at your team last year, coach. You play that classic game with Notre Dame, and I could make the argument that if you guys end up winning that game, you could have gone on a run and won a couple of games in the tournament. Like, is that something? And I don't think you're going to be there this year, so I don't think you have yeah. to worry about that first four. Yeah. But is that been like a rallying cry saying, guys, listen, we don't want to have to deal with playing on Tuesday or Wednesday. Let's make sure we're in Thursday, Friday. Let's go here. Yeah, you know what? I mean, just to be a part of it, and we played historic Notre Dame and and you know, what a great game. I, I, it was I, a great people, game. It was I a great people game. People tell me that was the best game of the whole tournament. You know, when they, uh, I they, think it was, it was right there. I mean, it was your game and maybe the national championship game of Duke Carolina. Take your pick, yeah. coach. So it really was one of those games. And, you know, obviously, you know, I wish we, you know, had done a little bit more. And, you know, I'm sure they probably went back and said, boy, we might have got a break here. And we said the same thing. Boy, if we could have made that shot. I mean, we had some looks. Geo Bakers was our best closer maybe in the history of Rutgers. And he had a couple of looks that I think he would have liked to have back to kind of finish that out. But without a doubt, they went on a little run as soon as that was over. And, and they were really good in the ACC. And, um, you know, so they were hardened too. But I think, you know, if you're playing well, if you're healthy, if you get the right kind of seeds, you know, if you have a little prep time, I think some teams are, Hard to prepare for in one day if you're going into that second round. Other teams are a little more easy to prepare for. I think prep time factors into some of that too. But there's no doubt, once you get in, you could go on a run. 
Final one, Coach. You're going into last week of the regular season. I can't wait for the conference tournaments next week. H- how you feel about the state of affairs with your team? I know you mentioned the injuries. We've yeah. had some big wins. Obviously, we've seen them over the course of the year. Uh, but where do you stand with your team going yeah. into the final week of the year? I mean, I mean, knock on wood, we're healthy. And, you know, I really like this team. We're, you know, we have 18 wins right now. Um, you know, have a chance to win 20 games in the regular season here. Um, gives us an, a, another chance to go into the tournament in a good place. Um, you know, obviously, we're playing on the road. Anytime you play on Minnesota, and now we have Northwestern, who's Coach Collins has done. They've had a great well, year, Coach. A great They've year. had a he, great year. He does a great job, and they're a veteran team. So when you get to this time of the year, and Boo Booey's been around, it seems forever. Chase Audige has been around. You know, Robbie Barron has been around. So they got veteran guys that have played and done an unbelievable job this year. So we have them last for senior night here. Our seniors get to say goodbye to these guys. I'm going to miss them all. And then uh, head down to the tournament. So we got to finish the year the right way, and then uh, we start the next season is – the Big Ten tournament season, and then you start your postseason. So really, we're wrapping up one season, and we got two more to look forward to. Now, Coach, I know you don't want to have to worry about this for quite a while because you have a lot of basketball to play over the next three to four weeks, hopefully. Um, are you feeling confident? You asked me this right before we started. I'm going to ask you the same question. What's your confidence level here about the 2023 New York Yankees? You expecting uh, a big year out of the boys? I, I am expecting a big year now. I don't want to put any pressure on them, but, you know, I feel like we got the pieces here, um, you know, and like you said, like, can we figure out the bottom of the order a little bit? And maybe there'll be some surprises too, you know, coming up through spring training. But uh, I, I love the Yanks and, you know, room for them. It's been a little bit of a drought for us, but we're right there. We're right there. And this Coach, our- 13 years for the Yankees is an eternity. You know the you know the feeling. It's an eternity. And let's see one of the kids' shortstops. You know what it's like having a phenom freshman come up. People get excited about that. Rookie shortstop would have the Yankee fan base fired up, you know? No, no doubt. No doubt about that. And you're right. That's a 13-year drought. It's a regular thing for any other program, but not the Yankees. Not the Yankees. Listen, Coach, we'll be rooting over the next two weeks. Go get them. I know we'll be talking come Selection Sunday. I expect to see your name called. Keep up the good work, all right? Thanks so much, JJ. Appreciate you having me on. Big week for the Rangers. They get Patrick Kane. And I know the New York, New York audience has been dying for some hockey content. I'm a man of the people. What can I say? The Rangers make a big trade. I get one of my hockey guys on. This guy's kicking ass, by the way. He's got a fantastic pod, Blue Crew pod. If you're a Ranger fan, it's a must-listen. He does all sorts of stuff for BR Open Ice. He was doing stuff throughout the NHL postseason last year. John Lazarus, what's happening, brother? Welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks, JJ. Big fan, uh, longtime listener, first-time caller. It's an honor to be here and uh, excited to talk some Patty Kane with you. Well, I know the Ranger fan is fired up, man. So you're the perfect guy to bring in. You're the perfect guy to welcome in. Um, When did you get the sense that this was legitimately possible for the Rangers. Because listen, like, you've heard the rumblings. They made the big trade a couple of weeks ago. But when did it kind of become, holy smokes, they got a legit shot of getting Pat Kane as well? So I think it started after Patty Kane made a comment about the Tarasenko trade, saying, like, he was pretty disappointed that it didn't go in his favor. And I actually started to hear last Thursday night that Kane like wants to come and the Rangers are going to do whatever they can to make it work. Same with Chicago, because, you know, when a guy gives his entire career to one city, wins three championships, I think the organization wants to do right by him, right? Like Patty Kane voiced that he wanted to go to New York. 
the Blackhawks management wanted to grant him that wish and they were willing to, you know, sacrifice the return in order to make him happy. And listen, I'll be, I'll be honest, you know, I'm a New York, New York fan. I've lived here my whole life. I know how expensive tickets are at MSG for Rangers and Knicks. I heard that Patty Kane was trying to come to New York on Thursday night. I bought my tickets for next Thursday against the Ottawa Senators with the feeling that it'd be his first game. And at the time, the price was like 160 I looked last night. It's like $300. Nice. Good maneuvering, bro. Yeah. Proud of you yep. for that. Well played. I, I uh, went with my gut on that one. But man, I, I think this has been you know a conversation for the last year, like dating back to the last deadline. We thought there was a shot that we get Patrick Kane. There's obviously been a lot of concern with his hip and whatnot. And you know, if he's over the hill, like the Rangers and Knicks have kind of had a history of getting guys past their prime. But, you know, this past month, Patty Kane has been on a tear and, you know, he's shown that he could still be a contributor to a Stanley Cup contender. And I think for the Rangers, getting him at what they got him for, it was just a no brainer this past week. Yeah, they didn't give up much. And you mentioned a resume. Listen, he's a Hall of Fame player. He wins three cups with the Chicago Blackhawks. Scores that game-winning goal when they win the cup for the first time. Like, this guy is the Chicago Blackhawks. Mm -hmm. I wonder how much he has left. You know better than me. He's obviously coming off a really good spurt over the last few weeks. Is this a guy you think, John, he gets re-energized, he gets revitalized by the idea of coming to a winning environment, coming to a winning culture? Like, what are your expectations realistically for what Kane could bring this Ranger team? So I think, realistically speaking, you know, is he going to be the number one guy on the team? No. Is he going to be the number two on the team? Maybe not. But he's for sure that three or four option. Like right now, you know, I think a lot of Ranger fans would agree. And like, it's crazy to think that this name is what I'm going to say. But I think the team goes as Mika Zibanejad goes. And a lot of people feel the same. Um, you know, he is the guy that when he's on, no one can stop him. Um, and we've seen it in the playoff run last year. We've seen it in the last, you know, five or six years that he's been on this team, but it's the Patty Canes, the Vladimir Tarasenko's, the Artemi Panarin's that got to get him the puck. You know, he's, he's the guy that has that Alexander Ovechkin, that, you know, Nikita Kucherov, Nathan McKinnon, one-timer threat from the left circle that we've seen be successful on the power play for the last couple seasons. And Patrick Kane, back to your original question, He's the guy that, and I tweeted this earlier today, you know, I grew up playing youth hockey in the 2010 era, like, you know, playing college and me and all my teammates before our games, the, the highlights we were watching were Patty Kane highlights. Like he's the guy that when the moment was big, he never got scared. Like there was no moment that was too big for him. He's had overtime series clinching goals, Stanley Cup clinching goals. Like there was nothing that Patrick Kane feared as a hockey player. And, you know, it, what's really cool too is, seeing all the interviews with the the younger guys in the team that are so happy to just have him on their team. They grew up, you know, watching a guy like Patty Kane and idolizing him. And not only are they going to play with him, but they're going to learn from him. So not only is Patrick Kane going to contribute on the ice, but, you know, whether he's here for 20 games or 200 games, what these players learn in the next, you know, few months with this guy is going to stick with them for the rest of their career. So listen, you could say what you want about Patrick Kane, the player, but the person too, I think is such a big effect on this organization because he's a guy that's been in every single situation come playoff time. And he's, you know, come out on top almost every single time. Johnny, are they a much deeper team in your opinion than what they were a year ago? Now that they've made these moves. 
Oof, JJ, it's an absolute joke, dude. Like this is an this is an NHL twenty three be a GM mode roster with a salary cap turned off. Like it is, it is insane. Like when you think about the top six, like you know, I think any of those six guys could be an all star any given season. You know, Chris Kreider, fifty two goals last year. Mika Zibanejad, Vladimir Tarasenko, Vincent Trocheck, Artemi Panarin, Patrick Kane, and then you look at the third line, which is to me like the tell-all of this team is that third line consists of a number one overall draft pick, a number two overall draft pick, and another first-round draft pick. Like, what other NHL team right now has a third line with that kind of resume? It's it's truly insane. And then you look at the back end, you got Adam Fox, who won the Norris Trophy two years ago, and then you got Igor Shosturkin in goal, who won the Vezina last year. Like, on paper, to me, this is, you know, the most star-studded roster in the NHL right now. Um, What are you more concerned about? Is it Shesterkin not playing to the level he was at last year. We know he's a terrific goalie. We know he's one of the best, if not the best, in the NHL. John, he has not been at the same level he was at last year for whatever the reason. Or is it the Ranger defense? Like, as you look at the home stretch of this year and you think about where this team is at, what would be more alarming in your opinion? What you're getting from Igor or what you're getting out of that defense? So I've been actually thinking about this a lot the last couple of days. And I think I, I've come to the conclusion that the Igor we saw last year was beca- was the result of a poor Ranger defense that was getting, you know, dominated pretty much, you know, from time to time. The Rangers last year, you know, weren't the team that outshot their opponent every night like they are this year. This year, you know, they dominate puck possession for the most part. So Igor's not seeing as many shots as he saw last season and not getting into that same rhythm that he might have been every night last year. And, you know, they always say the best defense is a good offense, right? And that's what this Rangers team has is so much skill up front that Igor isn't necessarily getting as many touches, I feel, uh, you know, this season. Like I was at the Winnipeg game last Monday. The Rangers shot, you know, outshot Winnipeg 51-21. Igor lets in four goals, but only saw 21 shots. The Rangers put up 51 and they only score one goal. So like, you know, that is a weird thing about hockey where, and, and it's happening a lot more, you know, in the NHL, not just the Rangers. Like, you know, last night I'm watching the Calgary Flames and the Boston Bruins. The Calgary Flames outshot the Bruins like four to one, you know, in the ratio and the Bruins win in overtime. Like it's just, you know, a big part of the game where the, if the goalies don't see the puck, it's hard to get in a rhythm. Um, you know, I'm trying to compare it to another sport, but like, you know, I, I think of like a field goal kicker in football. Like if they're not out there and they're put in like in the third, fourth quarter, like well, like a closer, like a reliever yeah. in baseball. If they don't pitch and they're not getting the burn, maybe not mm-hmm. going every other day, and they don't pitch for like five or six days, they're all out of whack. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't you, you know way more about baseball than I do, but I feel like that's you know a, a pretty good uh, comparison. Um, you know, it's all about reps and rhythm, and Igor hasn't had as much pressure on him this year when it comes to that. And you know, the Rangers' defense. They, they, they've been a little inconsistent and Igor hasn't bailed them out like we saw last year. So I think that's why they're getting exposed a little bit more this season because the goals are going in. Last year, Igor bailed them out and it wasn't as bad of a look because they weren't giving up as many goals. But you know, this year, it's been a little different. But I think come playoff time, like I said, when you possess the puck as much as the Rangers do, it, it should go their way if the pucks go in the net. You know, they might not win those games that are 2-1 to one or 3-2, to two, but they could win five, three games or five, two games or, you know, six, four games because the offense is that good. So, and that's what I like about this team, John, mm-hmm. compared to the teams that Lundqvist had. Like those were the no run grinder support. teams. They had to win two to one. They had to win with Lundqvist stopping 40 or 45 shots. I like the idea that the offense in many ways is the calling card of this team. And that's crazy mm-hmm. to say with Shesterkin and Net, 
But it really is, dude. Like, they are so much more fun to watch. They are so much more explosive than those teams were a couple of years ago. But my caveat to that, <laughs> is there enough? Because, I, listen, I like it. I, that's my kind of hockey, quite frankly. But is there enough grit, you think, on this team? Oh, man. Uh, wow. That's something I've talked about a lot in the podcast the last couple of weeks. Because isn't it a double-edged sword, dude? Because we all want to see pucks going to net. We all want goal scoring. But then you got to be able, from time to time in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you got to be able to grind some games out. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's a tough question because... You know, this is, you know, this is also the team that I think Henrik Lunk was somewhat deserved. Um, you know, in his career, he had to bail them out and, and they did not deserve to get as far as they did, I think, in 2012. Uh, 2014, you know, I think they overachieved a little bit. 2015, they underachieved a lot because I thought that was the best team that they've had uh, in the Lundqvist era. But I, I think as far as the grit thing goes, you know, last year they had s- some real gritty guys in Andrew Kopp and Frank Vetrano, uh, Tyler Mott, who's now back. And, you know, those guys can, can certainly, you know, outwork any other fourth line, any other third line in the NHL. But what I think about grit too, you know, I, I think the real difference this year is that third line, the kid line, the boys, the men line, whatever you want to call them, because Alexi Lafreniere, Capo Caco and Philip Hedel are going to be playing against third pair defensemen, you know, like the, the other teams are going to have to match up their D-men against the Kane Panarin line. And the Tarasenko's advantage at line. So you look at the skill level and and the work the work ethic on the kid line. You know they pretty much outskate the opposition almost every time they're out there. They possess the puck so well in the offensive zone that they don't necessarily have to throw the body or or, or grind and, and and use grit for that you know word. Um, you know fighting doesn't win you Stanley Cups, but just outworking the opposition does. And I think the matchups is so important too. And um, you know, a, a little bit back to that grit, like we're going to still see it from Jacob Truba. We're going to see it from Ryan Lindgren on the back end. Like those are the guys that are going to put their body on the line every single night. And I, I think the skill and balance is there. Like Vladimir Tarasenko is not a guy who's soft. Like he's a tough guy that won a Stanley Cup in St. Louis. Patrick Kane, somewhat of a softer player, but I think the skill outweighs, you know, what uh, he might lack in that, in that scenario. Um and then, listen, if you can't get up for a playoff game, then you don't deserve to win at the end of the day. I would agree with that. You yeah. shouldn't be holding up the Stanley Cup. Uh, Rangers-Devils. It looks oh. like that's going to be the first sound series. I mean, unless something crazy happens over the next few weeks, that's the way they set it up with this new playoff format. What would your confidence level, John, be? Rangers winning the series, one being the lowest, 10 being the highest, if they match up with the uh, cross-state rival. This is such a lose-lose answer for me because if I say 10, it's going to backfire so hard. I understand I... <laughs> that. And I don't want to get you in trouble here. Trust no, no, no. me on that. You're good. I mean, uh, you know, I'm just trying not to get my ass kicked in this series when I walk into Prudential Center. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of heat right now. I'm sorry if I can't curse. I'm pretty sure I can. You no, can. Li- yeah, we don't yeah, have the to worry about. I listen to a bunch of these episodes. I think I can curse. Uh, you know, I think as far as confidence goes, you know, this Devils team, man, like... They're very underappreciated. How are they know? doing this, John? As somebody who doesn't watch a lot of the Devils, how are they doing this? Is Jack Hughes is a stud, but beyond that? Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, they just added Timo Meyer, Andre Palat's getting healthy, Nico Heischer's coming into his own, Vitek Vanacek's been amazing in net, Dougie Hamilton solid in the back end. Like This is a good team, and, and I think a lot of it for them is just the pace they play at. Like They have so many small, shifty 
speedy forwards that are you you'd think like a five foot nine guy is so easy to knock off the puck, but not when you are afraid of getting danced if you step up to him. You gotta like, you know, contain them a little bit because if you if you lunge at a player like Jack Hughes, he's just gonna dance right around you and get to the net. So these guys are really hard to defend and because they're smaller, you know, it's almost a little bit harder to to get the puck from them because they're so low to the ice where they protect it better, if that makes sense. Like it's kind of hard to describe that a little bit, but you know, the bigger guys are somewhat easier to take the puck off of them sometimes because their body isn't as protective over the puck because um, they're a little bit, you know, taller. But the, the pace of play the Devils play at, like they're a top five offensive team and, and not only offensively are they gifted, but they're a top five defensive team also. Like they don't allow many goals, although I so am they'd watching have right a, now. They'd give the, basically what you're telling me is they'd give the Rangers a legitimate run for their money if they play in the first round. Oh, I, I would actually, I would probably bet that series goes seven. Yeah, and I feel like the Devils could put a nobody believes in us card because the Rangers and their experience of going to the conference finals last year. I feel like if I'm if I'm coaching the Devils, I'm going to be rough. I'm like, hey guys, nobody's giving us a chance here. This the Rangers city, blah blah blah. Nobody believes in us. I mean, I'd be pulling that card out, dude. So, like, that's another thing too, right? Everyone loves to talk about the experience, and and that is a big thing I think in the Stanley Cup. Like, you got to lose before you learn how to win. Like that that is you know certainly. Uh, a true testament. Like, you know, we saw with the Rangers last year, they lose. And now this year, they're a little more battle tested and they'll figure out a way to win, hopefully. But, you know, last year, you look at those guys that never played in the playoffs and, you know, Adam Fox, point of game player in the playoffs. Philip Heedle, absolute stud, tore it up, scored a ton of goals in the playoffs. Like, sometimes you just don't know what you don't know and you don't know how big the moment might be. So, like the Devils, you know, you know they've never been in this scenario like a Nico Heischer or Jack Hughes uh, you know, Jesper Bratt and, and these guys, and they might not understand like how much pressure there really is on them. And and going against the Rangers, there won't be any pressure on them because all the pressure is going to be on the Rangers. So, you know, that almost could be an advantage for them. Um, you know, I, I really do think that the whole experience helps you win sometimes could be bullshit, uh, you know, quite frankly. Final one, John. Mm-hmm. I was asked this question a few minutes ago. Just get offset on TV. Uh-huh. Is it Stanley Cup or bust for the Rangers? Yes or oh, no? I, it has to be. Like, there's no other, you know, you, you can't get what you got at the deadline and be satisfied with getting back to where you were last year. But, like, that being said also, you know, this is something that I really want to just, like, have perspective on because in my lifetime, like... I've never seen so much skill on one Rangers team that if they don't get it done, I do want to appreciate what I'm about to watch for the next two to three months because, you know, the Rangers are playing in the world's most famous arena. They got the best American born forward on their team. They got Vladimir Tarasenko, who's been an all star for many years, Mika Zibanejad, who's not becoming superstar, Artemi Panarin, who's, you know, arguably a, a heart trophy candidate for most, you know, of his career. Like, this is just going to be so much fun. And if they don't get it done, yeah, it's going to be heartbreaking. But like, I think just to appreciate what we're in right now and the fact that five years ago, the organization came out with a letter saying, hey, you know, it's going to be a tough stretch here. We're getting rid of guys that you might love. We're going to rebuild this thing from the ground. And five years later, we're all in, you know? Like, you look at other teams like the Arizona Coyotes, the Buffalo Sabres, the Detroit Red Wings, like, they've suffered. Ranger fans, we haven't really had it that bad. You know, like... That, that letter came out and everyone's like, oh shit, here we go, like 10 years of hell. And five years later, or four years later, even they're in the conference final. And now that fifth year, we're, we're literally like, like you said, cup or bust, you know? So um, 
sometimes we're a little bit spoiled and you got to take that step back and, and really just appreciate, you know, a guy who gets shit on a lot is, is James Dolan. And listen, he's doing something right with the listen, Rangers. With the hockey team, he's doing something <laughs> right. And all of a sudden, the basketball team has figured it out. You know, John, there was actually a point when the Knicks and the Rangers used to alternate days, like back when I was like six, seven years old. That mm-hmm. was 1994. Like, I'm not saying that we're going to get that this year because I don't think the Knicks are going that deep into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They but- look good, though, JJ. Hey, listen, get me to a second-round series, and, and maybe we have that alternate Nick Ranger universe mm-hmm. in Madison Square Garden with all I the mean, baseball. I love it. How awesome was it seeing Jalen Brunson walk into the garden tonight rocking a Patrick Kane jersey? Like That's you, badass. Like, That's that badass. is badass, man. And I actually, you know, I, I, I want to uh, get your opinion, too. Last time we spoke, you came on my show last year in the playoffs, and the quote was, I asked you about your, you know, top 10 athletes in New York. Obviously, the Rangers get some stars right now, but you said Julius Randle's fat ass is coming no, off that list. No, he's back on. He's Where's back he on. <laughs> Listen, redemption for Julius. Buddy, mea culpa, los siento. I, I wanted him gone. I, I would have done anything possible to get him off the team. It's rare, Johnny, you have that in New York. Mm-hmm. Normally, when guys get cast aside, they don't recover. Diaz and Randle are two examples I can think of. And I think each of them got it bad in different ways. Diaz's first year was just so bad. Like, so, so bad. Randall was so good. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, well, what the hell happened to this guy? The big, the best thing that happened to Julius Randall is Jalen Brunson. Mm-hmm. I, I can't stress that enough. And I don't want to disparage from what Julius is doing this year. He's been great. He's an all-star. He, I, he's back in my good graces. I'd give him a big hug. If I saw him, I'd tell him I love you. I'm sorry. Bah, bah, bah. However, he would not <laughs> be doing this. He would not be doing this if Jalen Brunson was playing elsewhere. Not mm-hmm. a doubt in my mind. I just, I had to mention it because in the two years I've been doing my show, that's still my favorite social clip I've ever posted. Well, listen, I'm glad <laughs> that somebody could provide some content of entertainment. Every now and again, we do that, Johnny. We have our moments. Listen, mm-hmm. bud, fantastic job. Uh, I will see you at Madison Square Garden. We got to work on that. I got to get to a game. Uh, that way I know my way around the place come playoff time, you know? Oh, yeah. You know what my dream would be? A Knicks playoff game at one, a Rangers playoff game at seven. I've never done that MSG doubleheader. Wow. I, you know, to be honest, I don't think that doubleheader has happened at least in the last, geez, 2000 and no, before that. I was going to say uh, 96, yeah, maybe I have no 96 idea. or 94. Because remember, the Rangers won the Cup 94, Knicks were in the finals. 96, they both were in the playoffs. 97, they both were in the playoffs. Yeah, not... Not many instances, John, where both have exactly, you know, found a way to advance it around. So uh, I like that. I like I'll that. empty the bank account for that back-to-back. That's I was sure. going to say, we're going to have to work on that. We're going to have to put our <laughs> savings funds together. All right, buddy, keep up the good work. John Lazarus, find him. BR Open Ice doing all the stuff for Bleacher Report. And where can we find a Ranger pod, John? Uh, the Blue Crew, you can listen to it on any single podcast platform that you, uh, you know, get your podcast. Yeah, you want a good Ranger podcast. This is as good as it gets. All right, Johnny. Thanks, JJ. Appreciate you. That's a loaded show. And guess what? We got another show coming tomorrow. We recorded Wednesday. How could we pass up Nick's Nets? There was no way in the world we were going to pass up Nick's Nets. So tomorrow, we'll start looking ahead to the NFL offseason. I got some baseball thoughts I'm going to get to. But listen, right now in New York City, it's got garden fever, baby. Dreaming about the possibilities of a spring where the Rangers and the Knickerbockers can kind of take us on a ride with the baseball season. We got some exciting times coming up in New York City. Exciting times coming up on New York, New York. So 
I want to thank everybody who joined us on the Twitter Spaces. Remember, if you haven't been in any of our lives, we're going to do them on Twitter Spaces. And if you've been with us on Spotify Live, just come on by to Twitter Spaces. You guys all follow me. Gals all follow me on Twitter. You know, I know I'm not Juno Temple, but I'm a hell of a Twitter follower. What can I say? Check those, and I'll let you know, obviously, on Twitter, and I'll let you know via the podcast when we will be uh, rocking and rolling. And I love your support, and I love your energy and everything that you guys bring. Good job by the esteemed Stefan Anderson. We'll be back tomorrow with our regularly scheduled program. And then I'm going to see MJ on Broadway. Oh, baby. Might be breaking out a moonwalk as I'm going to get my coffee. On that note, Nick's on fire. Life is good. JJ out. Now let's just get this weather nice around here. Be good, everybody.